Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Hi, everyone. Oh, it is so good to see you all. You all look wonderful and beautiful and awake. That's great. I was joking with someone earlier. It's like we get daylight savings time and then, see, we had this planned, right? Now you get an extra hour uh, for some of you uh, coming to the 10 o'clock service. So uh, glad you're here today. It's a great day to be together. Uh, so thank you for joining us, whether you're in person or joining us online as well. Well, today is the end of our prayer series. It's the last Sunday we're going to be in this series, and I'm excited to share with you today not only about prayer, but also to share with you uh, some of the powerful stories from our recent trip to South Korea and Thailand. If you're visiting here, uh, I, along with Pastor Mark and Judy Morrison, just recently traveled uh, to South Korea and to Thailand. Uh, to be with our, our Free Methodist, our denominational missionary team that serves all of Asia. And so uh, today what I'd like to do is to kind of uh, first talk about a particular type of prayer that will help connect us with what we experienced over in Asia. This was the third trip for the three of us, uh, traveling together and gathering uh, for a retreat with this incredible group of leaders. We have a really significant connection with the Asia area as a team, I mean as a church. Uh, we support several of the main leaders for our denomination in the Asia area. area. So Eric and Virginia Spangler are the uh, area directors of that whole area. We support them as a church. Darren and Jill Land. Darren now serves as the assistant area director uh, and is doing a number of things. We support them. Kevin and Natel Austin. Uh, Kevin runs uh, um, uh, the Set Free movement and uh, is significant, works in significant ways over in that area as well in lots of different ways. And uh, Mark and Judy provide uh, uh, pastoral care for those areas uh, as well. So we have a lot of great connections. So in just a bit, I'd like, to take a t- I'd like to take some time and invite us to prayer for those leaders and that team uh, and, and for all of Asia. But before we do that... I would like to talk about one more type of prayer that we see in Scripture. And this is actually a pretty powerful way to think about what prayer is and how it works in our lives. And you'll see why that this type of prayer is connected to the prayer for Asia and our leaders there. And where God might be working in our neighborhoods or anywhere around the world. So the type of prayer that I want to encourage us toward this morning is called participatory prayer. So in order to understand participatory prayer, we need to see it as part of a spectrum of prayer. Now, we've covered a lot of different things about prayer over the last several weeks, but we're going to talk about participatory prayer, and we have to understand it as part of a spectrum. So on either side of participatory prayer, we have on the one side, which is called active prayer. Now, we want to differentiate a little bit. We want to have an active prayer life, for sure. But this, we might understand active prayer in a particular way. So we have active prayer on the one side and passive prayer on the other with participatory prayer right in the middle. So first, let's look at the idea of active prayer. I think most of us are familiar with what this might, what we might call active prayer. And you can think of this as prayer, this type of prayer, active prayer, as a way to get God into doing what we think is best for God to do. (laughs) 
Have you ever done that? <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? We do this all the time, I think, and we actually see it in Scripture as well. We try to manipulate God into doing what we think is best for Him to do. One author wrote about this type of prayer. Most people know the active kind of prayer, trying to will God to adopt our will. Usually with good motives, we try to usher in the action of God. We give our best, most compelling case, but betraying the assumption that we need to talk God into doing something. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? <laughs> The Bible itself records many this uh, happening in, in, in different ways throughout the story of Scripture. I think one of the most famous that we might, uh, we might say are the Pharisees prayed often like this. Maybe even in the context of good intentions, right? Uh, believing that if the entire Jewish community, the entire Jewish nation could be obedient to all of the 613 commandments, even just for a single day, then that would usher in the kingdom of God and the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> God, we have a great idea. We pray for everyone to do this so that you will take this action, right? We see that. So in Luke chapter 18, 9 through 12, we read examples like this, but this is one of those. Then Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, <laughs> cheaters and sinners and adulterers. And I certainly, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. Uh, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Please, God, make everyone like me so that you will do something specific. <laughs> the underlying assumption for the Pharisee is that there was a, there's a code that they could crack there's a combination of doing things in a particular way that would get God's attention and make him do what they think he should. Active prayer. I think we're very familiar with that kind of prayer, aren't we? On the other side is passive prayer, which I think at times we're also familiar with, but maybe a bit less so. Passive prayer embodies the perspective that one is just trying to let God be and let ourselves be, trying to essentially just get out of the way. God, I'm not sure what you're doing, but just leave me out of it. <laughs> Keep me out of the way. I don't want to get in the way. I want nothing to do with this. Go ahead. Do your work. Neither of these perspectives uh, embody the way that Jesus prayed in Scripture. What we see in the life of Jesus is what uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson called the middle way or participatory prayer. When we understand this, it's so powerful for us. This middle way of thinking about prayer or the participatory prayer essentially says, I'm an active participant, but the action didn't start with me. <laughs> I'm joining the action of another, or I'm joining in what God is already doing. Eugene Peterson writes in his book called The Contemplative Pastor, and he writes this. The assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something even before I know it. <laughs> So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it, participate with it, and take delight in it. <laughs> Amen, right? This becomes so clear when you, this, we, this can become clear for us in lots of different areas of our life, but I found this particularly true in the opportunity to travel. 
and to experience God working in different places and in different ways with different people and different cultures, you leave thinking, whoa, (laughs) I don't even know what to say, God. Incredible. Participatory prayer means that I'm an active participant, but the action uh, begins with God. We participate in that action, and the benefit of that of this is we actually get to reap the benefits of God's action. <laughs> God's action doesn't depend on our initiative, neither are we entirely passive. God often chooses to act in what we see throughout Scripture and in, in throughout our world and even in our own experiences that God often acts in partnership with people. <laughs> That means you and me. So do we recognize what God is doing? And are we saying yes to that, even if it's a little bit scary? (laughs) So I want to take us quickly back to the Garden of Eden. We spent the first week of our prayer series in the Garden of Eden talking about this, this this powerful thread that works throughout Scripture, talking about prayer, where there's this invitation to the unfiltered presence of God. You see this uh, references to the garden throughout the story of Scripture when they're talking about prayer. It's this invitation to to be in the presence of God. So back to the Garden of Eden. In Eden, Adam and Eve were participants in God's action. Think about what you know of that story. They were in charge of naming the animals, harvesting the garden, ruling and reigning over all other species, but none of what they were supposed to steward began with them, (laughs) right? Everything existed because God did the creating, and he invited humanity, he invited Adam and Eve to participate in what he had already started and what he was doing, ongoing. So uh, notice that God also didn't ask Adam and Eve just to sit back and watch him rule. He invited their participation. Powerful. You and I get to cooperate with what God is doing on this earth. So if we go from the Old Testament, we see this to be true in the New Testament as well. As we look at the New Testament, we see a couple examples of this working out in the story of the New Testament. And fascinating enough, I think two of the most powerful uh, stories in this are Mary, Jesus' mother, and Jesus himself. So at the beginning of the book of of Luke, in chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, it reads this. This is a story we often read around Christmas time. We know this. But think about this in the context of participatory prayer. This is a bit lengthy, but I'm going to read it all. It's important. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found a favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how could this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. 
People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Lord, or for the word of God will never fail. <laughs> we just sang about that. <laughs> and here's what Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Think about that moment. What a crazy experience. We don't know. Maybe Mary was just going about her day and boom, an angel. (laughs) Hey, your life is about to change, (laughs) right? Incredible moment. And her response is this stunning prayer of surrender and participation. Even though Mary doesn't know what it was going on, she's confused, it says. She doesn't know what it all means. What is her response? Yes, Lord, I'm in. I'll join you in what you're doing. (laughs) Let everything you've said about me come true. Whoa. What a response of participation in saying yes to what God started and what he's doing. And I'm very thankful she did. How about you? (laughs) So I bet this was an ongoing aspect of Mary's life. Because, and I bet Jesus, as he was growing up, picked, on, picked up on this attitude that Mary modeled from the very beginning with that encounter with the angel. Because uh, as he grew at the other end of the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus praying his mother's prayer. I'm moved by this, it's powerful. In Luke 22, verse 42, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's confronted with the reality of what's about to come, the horror of the cross, he prays his mother's prayer. And he says in Luke 22, verse 42, if you're willing, take this away from me, take this cup of suffering away from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. May it be done to me as you have said. You see, the assumption of biblical prayer is that God's action always precedes my request. The aim is not to get God in on what I think he should be doing. Rather, the aim of this type of prayer, participatory prayer, is to get us in on what God is doing. To become aware of it and to participate with him. Amen? Like I said, this is so clear when you travel and you go to other places in the world and you see God at work in different and difficult places. You look around and say, wow, God, look at what you're doing. And maybe you just realize, I didn't know or even think you could be doing stuff like this. (laughs) But he does. And that's why it's important to tell stories. And to hear from people like Kevin. And to hear from people like our our missionary team. So I want to introduce you to a couple of these people. And I'll do my best to kind of move through some of these stories. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture, some pictures, uh, pictures that I can show you. First, I'd like to show you this picture of Trevor. Now, I uh, tease Trevor, this is like his model picture. (laughs) Um, But uh, this is the picture that's listed on our denominational website for him. So maybe some of you uh, remember Trevor. If you're visiting this morning or newer to uh, Crossview, Trevor, Trevor was with us this past summer. But Trevor uh, is the one that we were with in South Korea. He is currently an affiliate missionary with the Free Methodist Church. uh, And he works for an organization called the Voice of the Martyrs. 
And we as a denomination are working with Trevor to restart our, uh, our free Methodist work in the country of South Korea or in Korea. And uh, we got to spend several days with Trevor. And he took us around to meet a lot of different people and to visit the ministry center of Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Now, Trevor is in the ordination process with uh, our denomination through the Free Methodist Church. And like I said, we're going to be partnering. Uh, he's going to be partnering and, and joining the Asia missions team uh, to restart the Free Methodist work in South Korea. It's very exciting stuff. And when you hear about the kind of things that he's doing with Voice of the Martyr, it leaves you speechless. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, <clears throat> Voice of the Martyrs is an organization uh, that, uh, it's, a, it's a, the organization that Trevor works for, um, it's a ministry organization that serves persecuted Christians in some of the world's most difficult uh, places uh, to be a Christian. So think about where he lives. He lives in South Korea. Think about what it means to be a Christian as you go north and east in that area of the world. These are some of the people that Trevor works with. In, and this organization works to help. They provide practical relief, spiritual support, education, helping believers uh, rebuild their lives, their Christian witness in countries where they have suffered oppression and persecution. It's incredible how uh, you, this uh, Trevor is working in this area of the world. So the Korean chapter of Voice of the Martyrs uh, was founded by Trevor's parents. And the more we got to see all the things that they're doing to help uh, the more inspiring it was. Uh, they're helping desperate people in need who were coming out of places like North Korea, coming out of places like China, uh, and coming out of places where people are desperate and not only need practical help, but need to hear the message of the gospel. That's the kind of work that they're doing. God, as I become aware of what you're doing in places like this, in a place that I thought was impossible... <laughs> May I become aware of what you're doing and participate. <laughs> Amen. Even if for us, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, if it's just in prayer, recognizing what God is doing and say, I'm in to help, at least in prayer. Trevor shared some um, uh, about all of this when, when we were there with him. Uh, like I said, some of the team, uh, the part of the, the organization that Trevor works for, the, his department works with North Korean defectors who have escaped North Korea uh, and have made their way on, in some capacity to South Korea. He shared a little bit about that with us when he was here. So we got an opportunity to visit with one of those people. We went to her house. She made us lunch. And she told us her story. Now, unfortunately, I cannot share her name and I cannot share her picture with you. Uh, but it was powerful. We're going to call her Mrs. J. Mrs. J is not her name, but for the sake of telling the story, that's what we're going to call her, <laughs> okay? So Mrs. J lived for about 46 years up in the northern part of Korea. Uh, and at one point, she lived in this village uh, that was getting uh, some food supplements from the government. Well, at some point, the government decided to stop giving some food assistance to this village, and they began to starve. So, uh, because of this hardship, they thought it would be best to try to leave. And they tried to escape, and they got caught. They got put into a, 
uh, prison camp. And we're in the prison camp. And I don't remember how long she said that they were in the prison camp. But it was some time. And in that prison camp, the situation was so bad that Mrs. J watched her husband starve to death. Not only did her husband starve to death in this prison camp, but one of the, her neighbor's daughters did as well. And after some time, they were uh, released from this prison camp and went back to their village. And there's more to the story, but uh, someone else was able to come to the village and encourage them to try to escape. And eventually, uh, there's a lot of details to the story, but eventually they did escape by crossing a frozen river <laughs> over to a much larger country to the east and hid for several years while they made their way down to South Korea. It was an unbelievable story. And the way that she told us what happened and the way that God worked through that situation is incredible. And now Mrs. J, connected with Voice of the Martyrs, is living in South Korea and helping others like her who have faced her similar situation not only find the help that she needs, but meet Jesus. (laughs) Incredible. At the end of our time together, we had this incredible lunch where we ate so much food, we couldn't eat all the food, and that was, it was not lost on me that she has come from such a poor background, and here is this massive spread of food for these visitors. And at the end of our time together, we sat around her coffee table, and Trevor said, okay, we're going to worship together. We were like, what does that mean? In this, in this setting, we sat around her coffee table, and we simply just read a chapter of scripture. We talked about what it meant to us, and then we prayed. So moving. I took a picture while we were praying. I felt a little bad about that, a little, a little weird about that. But I wanted to capture that moment of what this must have been like for this person coming out of such a significant situation and sitting around a coffee table with Western pastors reading scripture and praying to Jesus. Wow. The Lord is working powerfully in dangerous and difficult places of the world. Will we recognize what God is doing, whether it's in a place like that or even in our own neighborhoods? Recognize what God is doing and have the courage to participate. The assumption of this type of biblical prayer is that God's action precedes our request. The aim is not to get God in on what we think he should be doing, but rather the aim of this type of prayer is to get us in on what God is doing. Become aware of it and participate. (laughs) God is doing incredible things. I'm really excited for more and further connection with Trevor. We're going to have more opportunity to go there and to help and to do things. Uh, And so that's exciting. We also had uh, the opportunity, uh, just quickly, we also had the opportunity to visit a church uh, for people that have come from Mrs. J's situation. And uh, what an incredible opportunity. We were able to go to this little church with about 20 people. Um, maybe a few less. I can't exactly remember. We took our shoes off as we entered the, uh, we entered the building, and we sat in the very back. Church had already started, and um, I. One of the things. There's a couple of moments that I just won't forget. Uh, first, the joy on these people's faces because they're experiencing freedom in lots of ways. <laughs> freedom in, from an oppressive government and freedom in Jesus Christ. 
one of the things that happened was this lady that was there put on a dress and she danced to a recorded super old worship song and she was so happy. You could see it on her face. In fact, Judy commented to her afterwards when they gave us lunch, I I sense the joy of the Lord in you. There was another guy who stood up and played two songs on the saxophone to, to tracks. It was not great, <laughs> but it was so joy-filled. Amazing. These people expressing their worship to Jesus. And another moment I won't forget <clears throat> is how one person got up. And, and prayed. A desperate prayer for those still living in the northern part of Korea. For their families who were not with them. For their families still under persecution. Crying out to God. I'll never forget what that was like. They made us lunch after our service. And uh, wow, it was we were so very thankful for the food. And I'll just, I was really impressed with Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark, as he was uh, going down the buffet line, tried to avoid the kimchi. And uh, someone lovingly put a massive hunk of kimchi on his plate. And he ate it all. And it was amazing. They kept asking, was it good for their bellies? <laughs> so, <clears throat> it was wonderful. From there, powerful several days in Korea. We had uh, the privilege of traveling to Phuket, Thailand uh, to, uh, to minister with uh, our Asia missionary team. And I'm going to move through this fairly quickly because I know our time is almost up. But uh, as we go through this, this first picture, I'm just going to move f- quickly through uh, just for some safety reasons. You won't see faces. They're the back of people's heads. But still, just so you can see what this uh, room was like, well, I had the opportunity Uh, to lead some worship and teach alongside Pastor Mark as we encouraged the Asia area team. Uh, Got an opportunity to to teach and to preach some along with Pastor Mark. It was very, very meaningful. We got the opportunity to hear from each of our missionaries and what was happening in their areas uh, of the world uh, and what the Lord was doing. And we can't show you a picture of the entire group for safety reasons. But there was about 40 people there uh, representing all of the work around Asia. And so pretty pretty significant group of leaders doing really amazing work in in some very uh, difficult places as well. This was uh, where we, essentially, this was Trevor's first time with the Asia team. So this is the area director, uh, Eric, uh, and he is uh, introducing Trevor to the uh, team, and Trevor and I were matching. There was this one day, you'll see, like, we all wore matching shirts. Like, we didn't plan it. It was awesome. So I took some matching shirt selfies, but had the opportunity to pray for Trevor uh, there. And I just want to quickly introduce you to a few people who we can talk about. But Roger and Vanjie Stone are part of the Asia team, and they work with Wycl- Wycliffe Bible Translators, which this was such a cool thing uh, to, to see them and to be able to pray for them and have them connect with Trevor. One of the things that Voice of the Martyrs is doing in Korea is trying to translate uh, the Bible for in, to put it in a, a Korean version of the language that works for both North and South 
of Korea, which is incredible. Uh, so Trevor uh, connected with Roger, and they were talking Bible translation stuff, everything from words to software. And it was incredible to see this connection, connections that are going to actually really powerfully help even right away in places like Korea where Trevor's starting this work. So incredible to be there. If you've been part of uh, CrossFit, you know Darren and Jill. Uh, this is Jill. This was, a, again, a, a shirt selfie. Uh, Darren and Jill were serving in the Philippines. They now are based in Chiang Mai. And Darren and Jill, uh, uh, I had mentioned Darren is now the associate area director working to develop a discipling and leadership program that they're going to implement throughout all of the areas of Asia, at least most of the areas. And so they're writing this curriculum. They're recording videos. They're trying to get a system to really help uh, all all people who are coming to know Jesus to the leaders and the churches and those kinds of things. So Darren and Jill, incredible group of people. They attend here when they're in the States, and we love them very much. Uh, Seth Van Tiflin, maybe you know Seth. He was with us again last summer as well. He's the leader of a, a ministry called In Better Hands, which has four main areas of work, everything from anti-trafficking to care of widows and orphans. Every time I hear Seth talk about In Better Hands, it's just like mind-boggling how he has so much capacity to work in these different countries and see the organization grow. They're just about to build some buildings um, to help uh, care for some widows and some elderly. Amazing. Uh, so this, Seth is another of our significant leaders in the area. And this is uh, a new a couple to the, newer couple to the team. Jason and Wendy, they are going to be based in Chiang Mai. They came out of a, a, a more dangerous place uh, and are, are uh, just getting to Chiang Mai, so just acclimating, learning languages, and, and it was just really great to meet, meet them. They're incredible people. Uh, this is uh, Alan and his wife, Amabel Bacchus. Uh, Alan just recently served as the bishop of the Philippines, and uh, served his terms, and so he's the outgoing bishop of the Philippines, and he's coming on to this Asia team. Uh, they're going to be planting a church in the Philippines and doing some other work all around the Asia teams, or Asia area. So incredible leaders that are coming to be a part of this team that have connected in lots of areas around the world. You can see Darren and Jill praying for them. And then obviously, um, Eric and Virginia Spangler, uh, they are the, the leaders of this team and uh, we got an opportunity just to hear from them and to pray from them as well. They're kind of the heart of the whole thing. Just incredible what the Lord is doing uh, around Asia. So I know that was just, we're just flying through some of that stuff. But I want us to think about what some of these stories and the experience of this in the context of this participatory prayer. Because as we think about it as a church, how can we join in with what's happening? Well, we can join in particularly at first in this type of prayer. So the aim is not to get God in on what I think he should be doing, thank goodness, because God has far better ideas about what to do for the kingdom of God than I do, amen? <laughs> so it's not about what, how I can get God in on what I think he should be doing. Rather, the aim of this type of prayer is to get, to get us in on what God is doing, to become aware of it, and to participate. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite us, worship team, would you come on back up? I'm going to invite us into a particular, uh, into a, uh, a time of prayer, and uh, we're going to enter to a time of communion as well. I want us to be able to pray, uh, maybe in these next few moments as we uh, take communion together, just to pray specifically for Eric and Virginia, Darren and Jill, Kevin and Natal, to pray for Trevor and our Asia team, the work in South Korea. 
Pray maybe even that God will show you more of what he's doing in your life, in our neighborhood, and in those kinds of things we think about this type of prayer. We are invited to become children of God, redeemed, forgiven, restored, filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? And we get to be participants, full participants, in what God is doing in the world. That's what we're going to remember here as we take communion together and spend a few moments praying. So, I'd like to invite you into a time of prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?